0: Our first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. This may be a familiar passage to many, and if you'd like to sing it in your head as I read it, that would be fine with me. Let's listen to what God is saying to the church today. For everything, there is a season and a time for every manner under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away a time to tear and a time to sew, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds. Yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. The word of the Lord.
1: Our second scripture reading this morning comes to us from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 to 6a. Let's listen again for a word from God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. He will be, they will be his people, and God will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning. And the end, the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I kind of love that scripture. If nothing else, because it feels a little sci-fi, I feel like I can hear the voiceover in a world where the sea is no more. The world as we know it is no more, right? There's this floating city that descends from the sky, bright and gleaming. There's a reality where God dwells among us. And the fullness of God's kingdom comes. And in this described reality, there's no more tears. Death is unknown. Mourning and crying and pain are no more. And the people who live in this world live with the confidence of things known, not simply hoped for. Forever eternity. What a wonderful world. What a beautiful dream. What a tough pill to swallow when the world around us bears on balance little resemblance to that vision. And yet, it paints a picture of how things will be and whether or not floating cities are your thing. I think we can agree that we all hope for a world with less grief, suffering, and death. We are certainly in a moment brimming with future hope. This is that time of year, New Year's, which is for many of us the cultural apex of collective aspiration. New Year! New me, new us. We hope for better. Or for different. We resolve that this year, we will be better. Stronger. More successful. Maybe more kind. More connected. This year, we will change the world. We know what has happened. And we know what we hope for. So it seems pretty straightforward. Just go out and make it happen. I don't know about you, but I don't know, as I reflected on last year's resolutions, that I 100% hit the mark on that. But here I am again in this moment of hope, this moment of possibility where all things might be new." Enter Ecclesiastes. I love this text, too, and not just because of Pete Seeger or the birds, although that does not hurt. I love it because while Revelation paints us this fantastical, impossible picture of God's future, Ecclesiastes deals pretty solidly in the now. Within its lilting poetry are a series of events and actions that kind of sketch the parameters of experience within which we live our lives. There's life and death, creation and destruction, joy and pain, community and solitude, conflict, and resolution. All these things are present. It feels very accessible in that way. But I also appreciate that the text is clear with us that all of these things are seasons, which means they're temporary. And while that could be good or bad, depending on what season you're in, we're also assured that all of those seasons exist within a framework of time that belongs wholly and completely to God. Ecclesiastes assures us that God has given us the ability to be aware of the past and to dream the future but also doesn't put that onus wholly on us because we are not the Lord of time. That's God. It means also that none of the things that we think of as defining our lives are outside of God's control. And I think that's good news. Because as people, we're not actually all that great. At least I'm not actually all that great at the long-term perspective. Whatever is happening in my life right now often feels like the totality of everything that could be happening. I don't know if you've had that experience. When things are a struggle, it feels like there could not possibly be joy again, ever. And when things are good, it feels like time melts away and all you wanna do is kind of capture that moment into yourself. Can you remember a time when joy was everything? When the sun shone and you were surrounded by loved ones and you laughed until you cried or you felt like you would burst. Or maybe when you felt trapped in your current circumstance and there did not appear for all your brain, racking of your brain to be a way out. if we can remember those things, but not be in them now, at least some of them. It tells us something about our ability to have perspective on the situation, and so I appreciate that Ecclesiastes sketches this outline as a way of offering us some perspective. The text affirms that all of those things are valid human experiences, but also reminds us that as all-encompassing as they feel, now in this moment is not forever, because forever belongs only to God. So what are we meant to do with these two visions of life the scriptures offer us this morning? The high, aspirational, fantastical, not yet, where the life with God is full and complete, and the realities of a cyclical rhythm of life as it is in the now. Well, I think one thing we could say is that both scriptures today actually offer us touchstones and evaluative measures. We do know what God's future, fully realized, looks like, even if we have no idea how we're going to get there. And we also know that life as we live it now has seasons, but that God's intent for those seasons is movement, is survival, is thriving, is towards moments of pleasure. Which means that we might use these scriptures to begin to identify imbalances. Where has there been far more breaking down than building up? Far more mourning than dancing? Far more hate than love? Far more war than peace? not only am I asking this question sort of about the world at large, but also in your own heart, in your own lives, in your own relationships. And how would we approach those spaces if we knew or if we had hope both of their seasonality But also for those moments of pain and disconnection and grief, that there is a future where those things are no more. How might it look if we turned the page? How might we live? A few weeks ago, we talked about joy, um, and the Too Long Didn't Read, if you missed that sermon, was that. I suggested to us that a vision of God's joy is a transformative, embodied, communal joy. And I challenged you, if you had had an experience like that, to go out and tell somebody, to spread it, to spark that light. And I think the same is true here. If we have hope of a world without mourning, grief, death, suffering, we need to tell somebody. Not just with our words, but with our actions and the ways we live our lives. Because if we know that the reality of God's coming reign is all of those things, why wouldn't we want to practice it now? Why wouldn't we work for the conditions? Where others might also enjoy God's gifts of rest and sustenance and pleasure for their bodies and their souls. As Christians, we are constantly navigating this tension between what theologians like to call and I have sometimes referred to as the now and the not yet. And living in that space can be hard. There's also a world of potential in that space. Because we live in the reality of a God who, at any moment, at every moment, is making all things new, even when we can't imagine what that could look like. So, how are we to live? Well, It is the beginning of the year, and it is the time of poets and divisions. And so I want to leave you today with this poem by Johnny Nguyen, who writes, promise me, promise yourself that you'll dream today. Promise that you'll fall in love with the unimaginable, with the impossible. With the unreachable, with the unreachable. Say you'll welcome every mundane thing that will cross your path, no matter how boring or minuscule. What kind of life is there if you can't dream the potentials? Love the unthinkable, and welcome the ordinary? We live in the now and the not yet with hope for a future and eyes wide about the realities of the world that we currently live in, but we are called in hope to expand the edges of that hope for others. A life where we dream the potentials, where we love the unthinkable, and in moments where that seems too broad, too grand, too abstract. That we welcome the ordinary and work together for that peace. Maybe so. Amen.